privilege of being here. It's been said by a few different people in a few different ways. We just want people to know that we're excited that you're here, and we are thankful for that. And because I want everyone to feel comfortable and good, we're going to talk about politics this morning. (laughs) I remember growing up and being told, you don't you don't ask people who they vote for. You heard that? Mind your, your, mind your own business. Well, I'm not about to ask you who you're voting for. <laughs> oh, yeah, I tell it's going to be good this morning. Yeah. But I do believe that the Word of God has something to say about our nation and about our level of involvement on the political scene. I told you, uh, I think I've mentioned this a couple of times for those of you that have been here, that I, I have some messages that I was preparing for the election, regardless of the results. So these, these messages this morning and ne- next Sunday morning, they're not based on a result. Are you with me? They're based on truth that doesn't change. And so I'm going to deal with some things this morning, the Lord willing, and then the Lord willing next Sunday, I'm going to deal with some things. And who is the president, who will or won't be the president, who's been elected in all of our local elections, in our state elections, all of those things, that is irrelevant to what the Word of God says. His truth is still going to be His truth, regardless of how an election goes. And so I want to remind you of that in 1 Samuel chapter 8, please begin reading with me. Look on in verse number 1. And it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, <coughs> excuse me, and the name of his second, Abiah. They were judges in Beersheba, and his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre and took bribes and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel and to Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people. And all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them, according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day, wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, so do they also unto thee. Now therefore hearken unto their voice, howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. We'll, we'll end up referencing the rest of the chapter. We'll leave off our reading there. But I want to I deal with this idea that God is, God is sovereign. And we understand what that means and doesn't mean. He has power overall. He rules. But he also gives men, mankind, he gives us the opportunity to make decisions. And so we see here in this example where God gave his people a vote. 
And that vote had consequences. And here's the truth, whether it's in 1 Samuel 8, I've been alive since 1981. Reagan, Bush, Clinton, Bush, Obama, Trump, and whoever's next. And in all of those elections and in every other election, remember when I first got to vote in 2000, just understanding the weight, God has given me the privilege of having a vote. We're going to talk about that. But then we're going to be reminded of this, that your vote has consequences. You say, why are we talking about this? Because it matters. And the, the point, I'm not going to make some kind of statement this morning that declaring something. And, and if you're afraid of that or you're expecting that, you don't need to be afraid and you're probably going to be disappointed. But I do believe the Bible has something to say either directly or in principle about every area of our life. And right now when things can be so crazy and so confusing and there can be so many voices, we need to make sure we're hearing the voice that is timeless and does not change. Let me pray with you and then you can be seated. Father, thank you very much for giving us the opportunity to assemble this morning. And, and Lord, I'm thankful to be an American. I'm thankful to have the privileges that we enjoy. And uh, this morning, God, I pray that you would help us to remember biblical truth and uh, that we would look to you to guide us, not just, in, not just in voting, whether or not we vote, who we vote for, but how we respond when the votes are cast and our attitude towards people and our love for you and our trust in you. And so, Father, in days where our nation is so divided and there can be so much confusion and so much hostility, I pray that you would help your people to have peace and to have clarity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing. At this time, Brother Nate is going to sing, and then after he has sung, we'll get into the message. <laughs> Oh. 
such things there is no law. Love for God and neighbor and joy through every trial. Peace that passeth all understanding. Patience and kindness to go the extra mile. These show the spirit of God in us. Goodness to proclaim the blessing of the Lord. Faithfulness to God, for he is faithful to you. Gentleness when sharing the gospel's wondrous truth. And self-control to show set apart the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace patience kindness and goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control against such things there is no You are just and pure. In your hands I am secure. Honest truth is in your word. To it I submit, O oh Lord. Holy Jesus, you are lovely. May my daily blessing. That comes from uh, Philippians 4 and Galatians 5. I don't know if you recognize that, but it talks about uh, whatsoever things are true, things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are of uh, good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And he talked about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Uh, 22 and 23, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And those are good that we be filled with those things, and that we intentionally think on them, and that we allow the work of the Spirit to manifest those things in our lives. That's a blessing. One of the most important things to remember when you're raising your children is to help establish in their thinking that the decisions they make have consequences. One of the mistakes that parents make all too frequently is they want to protect their children from the consequences of the decisions that they make. Um, uh, this can happen when they're playing with their neighbors. This can happen when they're at school. 
This can happen on a team. It can happen when they do or don't do things that they should or shouldn't do in home. But because we, we, have, we have this empathy or this sympathy, and we're, we really don't, we don't want to see our children cry. Okay, maybe you all do. Maybe you're all as heartless as me. I just, I just, I don't want my children to have a hard time. And so we interject ourselves into the different events of their lives, trying to protect them from the consequences of decisions they, they, that they've made. And we end up handicapping them as adults. And here's why. Because they think they can do whatever they want, and there's no consequence to it. Now, we're seeing that play out in our nation right now, where you have adults who think they can behave any way that they want, and there's no consequence to it. It's always somebody else's fault. It's always someone else's bad behavior, but it's, ne- it's always another reason, but it's not my fault. And so we want our children to understand that your decisions actually do have consequences. If you, and that's both good and bad. If you do your homework, there's a consequence to that, which is good. If you don't do your homework, there is a consequence to that, which is bad. If you obey your mom while I'm gone, there is a good consequence to that. But if you disobey your mom while I'm gone, there is a different consequence to that, which is less good. If I hear from your Sunday school teacher in junior church, I hear from Brother Z, or I hear on a youth activity um, uh, from uh, Brother Vi or from Brother Robbie when they've taken you out or some worker, if I hear that you're good, that's a good consequence. But if I hear that you were a knucklehead and that you had to be told four or five times and that you were a distraction and that you were leading other children astray, that's a different kind of consequence. Okay, I can tell you're really enjoying this this morning, so I'll stop. The decisions that we make, they have consequences, and we have to, we have to learn that. Or our children need to learn that early on. Um, right now it's, no, I'm not done. I'm going to throw one more out there. <laughs> right now it's hunting season, which for me is pointless. I'm not going to whine about that right now. But you teach your children, when you're teaching them how to hunt, that a gun isn't to be feared, but it is to be respected. It's not a toy. And there are very serious consequences. And so you don't, you don't just lob it out there and hope, hey, I, I think that's a deer, could be somebody's cow. <laughs> I hope that'll be Okay. <laughs> No, it won't. The decisions that we make have consequences. Elections are no different. You know, God, I mentioned this when I read the text. I want to say it again. God is sovereign, meaning he's in control. He, he, in Daniel, he talked about this. Daniel prayed this to him. I set up kings and I take down kings. You know, God has the ability to transfer power. You know, we have all these conversations today about peaceful transfers of power. You know, God can transfer power whenever he wants. (laughs) He can say, nope, you're done. Yes, here you are. God maintains control over that. 
Now, when we talk about his sovereignty, just because this is increasingly an issue today, I will continue to mention this. Just because God is sovereign doesn't mean he chooses for us who we will believe and what we will follow. And sometimes people take the sovereignty of God in words like predestination and they say, well, that means that God decides who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. And that is contrary to the revelation of God about himself. God does not choose that. This is what God says in multiple places. I was reminded of this when I was with Brother Steve and Miss Darla. As Brother Steve was getting ready to go on to heaven, I was reading to him from Revelation 22 about how God says, Whosoever will may come, let him take. Whosoever a thirst, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. The invitation is open to whoever wants to trust in Jesus Christ. He doesn't make that decision for you. He knows what you're going to do, but he doesn't, he doesn't make you decide one way or the other. He offers it to you. But he still does have control while allowing us to exercise our free will. Here's what that means. He allows people to rebel. He allows leaders to plot. He allows shifts in leadership and national direction. Isn't it fun to watch your kids and see what they'll do? Okay, maybe it's terrifying sometimes. <laughs> but because, again, because they need to learn and, and they need to experience consequence and, and they need to learn how to think through making a right decision and what happens when you do it right, what happens when you do it wrong. You're not constantly interjecting before they make a decision. You have the power to make them do right, but you want to allow them. They need, they need the freedom and the opportunity to decide for themselves how they're going to live and what they're going to do and then to experience those consequences. And so it's really fun, fun sometimes, Andrea and I, we'll just, we'll just observe how our kids respond. We'll just observe how they interact. We'll watch how they navigate a situation. Well, in a much purer and wiser way, God, while having control, he still allows his people to make decisions. And whether through direct intervention or through the ebbs and flows of human interaction, God's purpose will eventually be accomplished among the nations. Now, how many of you... <coughs> just say amen to this, have an opinion about this election. You have an opinion. Let me ask you. This is so fun. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Say amen. How many of you have strong opinions about this election? Yeah. How many of you? No, I'm going to stop right there. <laughs> you realize that things will either go or not go the way that you think they should? But however they go, God is still in control. You realize that your opinion may be satisfied or it may be contradicted. But God will still be in control. All that, it will be. So we need to begin this morning understanding that God is in control. But in this country, we have been blessed with a very unique privilege. And that is the privilege of having some say to choose who our leaders will be. 
Rarely in human history have nations have the, ha, had the opportunity to choose their own leaders. I encourage you to do some of your own research. Go and check out the annals of human history, both modern and ancient history. And you, you see just how unique it is to live in a day and to live in a nation, even, even currently in our own time, where we get to, as a people, have some say in who our leaders will be. The, mass, the vast majority of history tells of powerful men taking control by violence. Rule would often be forced upon people. And you either had to accept it or be destroyed. Sometimes you weren't even given an opportunity to accept it. You were just destroyed as a deterrent. And there was never a choice given. I just want to say we're blessed to live in a nation where we get to have a say in who leads us and by extension, have a say in the direction that they lead us. Now, let me deal with some concerns about that. Options can be limited. Y'all don't get nervous. Options can be limited. I've heard people say this. There, <coughs> excuse me, there shouldn't be a two-party system. Oh, sometimes it feels like I'm voting for the lesser of two evils. You ever been there? I'm not, I'm not asking you to tell me any. I'm just asking you if these things have been true in your life at some point. Absolutely they have. Sometimes all of them are true. Sometimes it can be very confusing to know how to think. I want to remind you, however limited we are, we still have an opportunity that scarcely few in history have had. We get to have some say. We get to have that say because God has blessed us with the privilege of it. We get to say, have that say because men and women have fought and died so that we could be free. Next Sunday, we're celebrating Veterans Day. Over 1.1 million people have died in military combat actions. I believe personally, and, and I want to say this gently, you know, every year there's some new poll or some new statistic out there about new people voting. You know what I'm talking about? I believe that it is a disgrace if we don't use the privilege to vote that God has given us. I'm not, I'm not talking about who you vote for. I'm talking about God's letting us live in a time that very few people have had the privilege to enjoy. The freedom. And that freedom to vote. When I stand, man, when we, when we have elections, I, I, I won't be able to do it the same way this year because of other circumstances. But I take my entire family to the poll. I show up with a daycare. And this is why. I want my children to recognize you are getting a freedom that very few people in history have had. There have been times in this nation when not everyone had this freedom. And you need to understand what a great privilege is. And I want you to understand. And man, I, it's like when I'm voting, it's like I'm having a party. I mean, people are like, oh, great. I'm like, dude, this is awesome. As a nation, we get to decide who's going to lead us. I understand it's limited, but man, isn't this great? It's better than some kind of tyrant coming in and just blowing things up and saying, hey, this is what you're going to do. Okay. 
Y'all aren't enjoying this enough. And we've gotten too spoiled as Americans. And I'll say it again. We've gotten too spoiled as Americans. So I bring my whole family, the whole daycare, the whole entourage shows up, and we just go, isn't it great to be an American? And then we just talk through the price that has been paid so that we can be free and we can have a say in the election. I believe that God will hold you accountable you will answer to God for whether or not you have utilized that privilege. You know, it's amazing to me how many of God's people will complain about the direction of a nation, but then will say, no, I don't vote. What you complaining about? Well, I didn't have anybody to vote for. Write my name in. <laughs> or write my mom's name in. Bop, bop. She would love that. But it's not just important that we vote. It's, all, it's also important how we process who we're going to vote for. Understanding that who we vote for affects the direction we go as a nation. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, I'm not, I'm not dealing with the whole story here, but for <laughs> generations, going back to Moses, God led his people through prophets like Samuel along with the help from tribal leaders and elders. At this point in the story of Israel, Samuel's sons that are mentioned, they have been put in positions of leadership, but as the text mentions, they are corrupting, they are perverting judgment, they're not doing things the right way. Now, understand this, just because the person in the office isn't doing the right thing, it doesn't nullify the validity of that office. Now, sometimes we think that just because a person misbehave, misbehaves, we should scrap the whole system, and that's what was going on here. But that's not the real issue. The real issue is that even human leaders that are positioned by God, sometimes they can make bad decisions. And so Israel comes, and they, they're complaining to Samuel, and they're saying, hey, your sons aren't doing right, and they're not being faithful, and on top of that, Samuel, you're really old. We want you to make us a king. Now, the real motive for why they wanted a king is revealed in verse number five. Behold, thou art old, thy sons walk not in thy ways. Notice this. Now make us a king to judge us, notice the next four words, like all the nations, Here's what they were looking at. We want to be like everybody else. Well, you know, we want to be like that country, and we want to be like that nation, and we want to be like this nation. Listen, your goal, your goal is the people of God. Israel, you, you were brought into existence differently than any other nation. You weren't elevated because you're great. You were elevated because God is great. And he brought you out of oppression. And he gave you great deliverance from the Egyptians and through the Red Sea and preserving you in the wilderness and giving you the promised land. And through the leadership and influence of men like Joshua and Caleb and others, you have been led and you have been blessed with the presence of God. You aren't like everybody else. And yet this was their attitude. We want to be like everybody else. Now God's, remember this, God's sovereign. He could have. Just flicked them. But God's patient, isn't he? Well, God's loving. God, God doesn't just flick people. pop your kid's hand, boom. No, I'm, I'm thankful God deals with us in mercy and love and patience. He could have just knocked them in the head, but he didn't. 
he, this is interesting. He tells Samuel, beginning in verse number six, Samuel's irritated and prays to the Lord. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. But in verse seven, the Lord says to Samuel, hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. And then he goes on to describe them. But then he says in verse number nine, now therefore hearken unto their voice, how be it, yet protest solemnly unto them and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. And so Samuel goes into great detail about what is going to happen if a king is established over them, beginning in verse number 10 down through verse number 18. Let me just summarize it for you. Are you ready? Taxes, servitude, indentured military service. You go back and look at it. Israel had some really good kings. Israel had some godly kings. But they all were still human kings. David was a great man of God. Man after God's own heart. But he was still a king. There was still servitude given to him. There were still taxes that he levied. There were still military requirements that he levied upon the nation. David was a good king. David was a godly king. But David was still a king. And it cost the nation to have a king. And then when you remove the factor of godliness, you look at kings like Solomon who began to focus themselves upon not just enjoying what God gave them, but upon their own greatness. You look at the sons that came after that, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, and you see that kings without God, it got even worse. And Samuel warned him about all of that. You want a king to be like everybody else, but it's not going to be exactly what you think it's going to be. Verse number 19. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us that we may be like all the nations, that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. You know what's kind of scary about this? They had somebody that had proven to fight their battles for them. There's somebody that fought their battles at the Red Sea. There was somebody that fought their battles at Jericho. There was somebody that fought their battles in the promised land. Like, no, we want a king. And so Samuel rehearses those words before the Lord in verse 21 and verse 22. And the Lord said to Samuel, hearken unto their voice and make them a king. You know what this sounds like? God let his people have a vote. They had a leadership system, and we're obviously not talking in our election about changing the whole system of leadership, but there was a leadership system, and the people said, you know, you're old, and your sons aren't doing the right thing, and, and really, we just want to be like the other nations, because that was mentioned both at the beginning of the chapter and the end of the chapter. The first part of their discussion was Samuel, and the second part of their discussion was Samuel. We really, we really just want to be like everybody else, even though we recognize we're not like everybody else in what God has done for us. We, we just want to be like everybody else. So make us a king. And this is what God says. I'll give you a choice. You can choose to follow me the way that I've revealed, or you can decide to do it another way. Now in all of this, this is so important. In all of this, did God forsake his people after this? No. 
Still loved him, still blessed him, still worked him. Man, talk about David and Goliath. Talk about God helping David dealing with Saul. Talk about God transitioning a nation from the time of uncertainty through Saul and then into the reign of David. You talk about his blessing. It manifests in so many, through so many reigns and in so many generations. No, he did not forsake them, but he did give them a choice. And then he told them this. However you decide has consequences. I'm going to let you vote. I'm going to warn you that how you vote has a consequence. And then I'm going to let you reap the consequences of that vote. And they did. As a nation. Turned out exactly like God said it would turn out. Go back and study the history of kings. Taxes, servitude, indentured military service. And you say, man, this is hard. I imagine. It, look, the text doesn't say this, but use your imagination a little bit. Years later, after they had their say, and they got the king they wanted to be like everybody else, they, they're, they're sitting around a table, and they have a young man that's not sitting at that table anymore. Because a godless king is fighting a war he has no business fighting. No, stay with me, this happened. Kings would go fight battles that they weren't supposed to fight just because they were rebellious. I mean, Saul chased David all over the, all over the wilderness just because he had a personal grudge that had no justification. And there's a young man not sitting at that table and a husband and a wife looking across the table at each other and saying, why did this happen? And then remembering the words of the preacher. God told you, your vote has consequences. The decisions you make. He gave you freedom to choose. And based on your choice, that has consequences. God let his people have a vote in who would lead them. And, but they had to understand when you've chosen a leader, that has consequences to it. Now, let me give a couple of disclaimers. I understand, you understand this, there are no perfect leaders and, and this message is not about telling you who to vote for. Somebody please say amen to that. Amen. You want to talk to me about who I think or who I'm voting for or whatever, I am happy to have that discussion. Listen, there's not a subject that's too awkward for me. But that's not why I'm the pastor here. No, I serve a greater kingdom. I'm a part of a greater kingdom that is going to last a whole lot longer than any national government. And that is the, that is the kingdom of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I understand that. And, and I understand that it's not that this, this system, it, we can have opinions about it that it, well, it's limited in this way or it's not perfect and I really wish we had more say in certain areas. I get all of that, but we just need to go back to this considering Considering the annals of human history, we are blessed to be a part of this nation in this political system. Even though it's flawed, even though there's major problems with it in areas, we are blessed to get to have a say. You can disagree with that or not. I am convinced that we are blessed to have a say in this. In 2009, President Obama had just won his first election and he was, in a, he was in a conversation with uh, some Republican members of Congress 
And he was quoted as saying when they were going over financial policy, this is what he said. Elections have consequences, and I won. Now here's the truth about that. Elections do have consequences. Elections had consequences long before President Obama was elected and long before he said it. You know who else said it? God did back in 1 Samuel chapter 8. Who you choose has a consequence. The point isn't to tell you who to vote for. It's simply to remind you that as a Christian, you have an opportunity and you should use that opportunity and you should be guided by the truth of the word of God in how you use that opportunity. Here's the statement. Because God has given us the privilege in having some say in who our leaders are, we are accountable to choose leaders who will help our nation follow God. Now, ultimately, that's not decided by a president. I'm going to talk about that next week. But because God has given us the privilege in having some say in who our leaders are, we are accountable to God for choosing leaders to help our nation follow God. Let me give you three things and then I'm done. See, this wasn't nearly as painful as you thought it would be yet. Number one, you need to respect the sacrifice that others have made so that you could have the freedom to vote. Brothers and sisters, if you choose, if you choose not to be involved, you and I do not have a personal problem. I, I respect your right to decide. I'm just, I'm not going to be involved in this at all. I just want to tell you that people died so that you could live in this nation. And I believe that that sacrifice deserves our involvement to whatever degree we can be involved. And you say, well, I, that when I, sometimes in certain elections, I'm not happy with the two candidates. Again, I'm not telling you who you should vote for, but I believe we should be involved in the process and somehow figure out how you can be involved in the process because there's a whole lot of families, a whole lot of women and men and children who would have died to be a part of a process where they got to have a say in who the leaders were. In fact, they did die. And we get to enjoy that. Number two, seek God about it. It's amazing how much we'll consume on the news and how little we'll consume of the mind of God. It's amazing how much time we'll give to what other people like us have to say and so little time to what the word of God has to say. One of the things that has greatly frustrated me about this pandemic, and, and this was manifested a long time before, this, before all of this, but it's the continued promotion of this idea that you're really not qualified to have an opinion unless you're an expert, and we get to define who the experts are. Well, look, facts don't lie, and you don't have to be an expert to observe facts. Okay, maybe some of you are struggling with this too, sorry. Experts aren't the, you don't have to have a degree behind your name in order to have an educated, informed opinion. And too many times, too many times, God's people just allow other people to make up their mind for them. God has given you a mind. God has given you the ability to think. God has given you the ability to process information. And sometimes it's really good to turn off what everybody else is saying about what's going on and to ask God what he is saying about what is going on. 
Seek God about it. Number three, know who you're voting for and what you're voting for. I'm not, I'm not asking. I don't want to know. I would be curious with all of the opinions that are out there, how many people have actually taken time to read through the DNC agenda and the GOP agenda? I have. So many times we have opinions because it's what we were told to think. We have opinions because it's what our family has always done. We have opinions because this is just how we do it. And we don't take time for ourselves to know who is saying what and who is going to do what. Uh, let, me, let, me just, let me just give you some examples. In both, in both platforms, if I can say it right, say it that way, both platforms, they have something to say about finances. Both platforms, they have something to say about worldviews, about military, about authority. They have something to say about the homosexual agenda, about abortion. They have something to say about medical care. They have something to say about a whole lot of things. And too many times, the people of God just decide, this is what I'm doing, without actually know who they're voting for and why they're voting for them. You know what I'm thankful for in 1 Samuel chapter 8? Verse number nine, look at, the, look at it again. Show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. You know what God did? He laid out the platform. And so many times, not just as Americans, but, and I'm not accusing you, I'm challenging all of us. So many times as Christians, we, we become lazy and we just don't want to do the work to try to know what's going on. Can, can I just be honest for a minute? I know some stuff about sports. I know some stuff about mountain biking. Some of you know some stuff about hunting. You know some stuff about your hobby. If God has given you the opportunity to know some things, then you ought to take time to make sure you know to the best that you can. Now, here's what we can't control. We can't control what happens when they get into office, can we? but we can make as, in, in as informed of a decision as possible when we're deciding who's going to get into office. This morning, I cannot, I cannot make, I don't want to make, and honestly, I'm trying to myself just rejoice in the Lord. I cannot make a prediction. I'm not making a prediction. I don't know how anything is going to go on Tuesday or in the aftermath. If you, if you watch all that stuff, which I, I try to be aware. I don't let people tell me what to think, but I do try to be aware. And there's, man, there's so many theories out there. There's so much speculation. There's so many things that could happen. I just want to remind you all, number one, God is in control. Living by faith in Jesus above. Trusting, confiding in his great love. From all harm safe in his sheltering arm. Living by faith and feel no alarm but you get to have a say this is so cool man i i know you're I, I know i know you're ready to be done but i just on tuesday or maybe you've already done it 
you get to, I, some people early voted this last week and they came in wearing, they were wearing their I voted stickers and I'm just high-fiving people. Sweet. Good on you, mate. Okay, wrong country. Anyway, just pumped about it. It's a, it's a blessing to be involved. And I'm, I'm glad. I mean, just, I'm thankful for you being involved. But can I remind you, brothers and sisters, it does matter. And you need to make sure you have the mind of God on what you're doing. Because what we do, it does have some effect on the direction of our nation. And ultimately, this is what matters most to me. One day, I'm going to have to stand before God and answer for a whole lot of things. And I want to have a clear conscience about why I did even something like my vote. Jesus said this, you're going to answer for every idle word. Well, if he's going to have, hold me to that level of accountability, I'm pretty sure he cares about how I vote too. And so just make sure as a child of God in processing this that you remember God has something to say. And I want to make sure that I have his mind and that I am involved in this process to the degree that he would allow, trusting, trusting that he will guide this nation or he will deal with this nation, but that I am doing right before him. Because we have the privilege to vote and because elections have consequences, we are responsible, we are responsible to make political decisions to help our nation follow God. Let's all stand together. This isn't the kind of message where, man, all of a sudden, man, I'm, I'm convicted about this. You know this stuff. This isn't the kind of message where you say, wow, I'd never thought about that before. It's not the... <laughs> Excuse me, it's not the kind of message where you maybe necessarily feel great conviction. But I do pray that you recognize the privilege. I do pray that you feel the burden. And I do hope that you will have enough motivation to be involved and to pray for your nation. And so maybe this morning in the invitation time, you want to ask God, Lord, help me to trust that you're in control no matter what happens. Maybe you just want to pray for your nation. Say, God, would you, would you elevate the people leading this nation that you want to elevate? Would you help people to do right? Would you help our current, our future leaders? I don't know how God would have spoken to you, but if he has, if you have a burden for your nation, if you're concerned about the process, then if God has spoken to you in some way, maybe respond to him while Brother Nate begins to sing.
we'll sing one more verse. your attention this way. Thank you, Brother Nate and Miss Jessica. Again, guests, it was great to have you here this morning. So thankful for you being with us. Thankful for that extra hour of sleep we got last night. Enjoy it, because the next time we change time, you're going to be a lot more tired than you are today. And uh, looking forward to the services tonight. We're going to be back in the book of Esther, so please tune in for that. Be here. Tune in on the live stream. Excited about getting back into those series. And uh, then we'll be making, I've got I've to get some clarification on a couple of things, but we'll uh, be making an announcement about how you can be a help to the Lawson family. The, the best thing that you can do is just to pray for them, pray for Darla and for their family. And it's great to know that Brother Steve's in heaven. Man, I was just, just stirred up about, you know, if some of you would know this, we usually had a chair and over behind Brother Robbie uh, by Yen, somewhere over there, had a chair where it was, um, it was moved out of the way so Brother Steve's wheelchair could fit in there. And then just, you know, just thinking about how, man, that's, that's not there anymore. Is a reminder, number one, don't take each other for granted. Just, you just think, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll see them again. Well, we don't always know that for sure. But then number two, it doesn't matter who you are or how limited you leave a void. And Brother Steve was a blessing to this church. And, and, and I'm not just talking about the candy. I'm talking, I'm talking about the love that motivated that. Man, Brother Steve couldn't articulate words really well. You, you could have a conversation with him. It was just hard for him to talk. But man, he'd walk around to these kids and you hey. And those kids knew. Candy man he can. Okay, anyway, sorry. Yeah. I don't even know that's what it's about. I just got that phrase in my head. Sorry, forgive me for that. I'm just being ridiculous. Anyway, pray for Starla and Dave. Uh, whoa. Miss <laughs> Darla, if you're watching, I'm sorry. So, oh, my word. I'm sorry. I'm having a hard time. Pray for Darla and their family. And we thank God for Steve's salvation. Brother Nate, why don't you go ahead and make your way up here? Again, guests, it's great to have you. We'll look forward to being with you tonight. All right, let's close with the chorus of Living by Faith. Living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in his great love. From all harm safe in his sheltering arm, I'm living by faith. We'll see you tonight at 5.